The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. We don't choose moments of suffering and difficulty and hardship, right? Like, it's never something we choose. These seasons just seem to happen. Uh, In fact, if we could choose, we would choose ease and comfort and relaxation. If we could choose, we would go back a few weeks. We would go back to whatever life was like before this moment. and if you, when you were in it, you might not have thought that was the good life. But now when you look back, you're like, that was easier. That was safer. Um, I was less worried, less stressed, less concerned. Uh, and, and so if we could, we would choose comfort and ease and safety every time, if it was possible, but it's not possible. No, it's not possible, is it? Um, the reality is that life doesn't just come at us fast. Life comes at us like a storm. And we're caught in the waves, and we're getting battered, and we look around, and we, what it feels like is this, in our darkest chapters, they feel like they're our last chapter. We, we look around and we think, you know, this is a dark moment in my life, and this is probably how life ends. Now, I I know there are a lot of you that kind of just hoping and waiting for this season to pass, and we're going to kind of get back to the way life was, but I, I think, you know, now that we're set, you know, we're over a week in, we're starting to have this feeling like this is the way it's going to be for a while. And when you're in the middle of it, right, you start to wonder, when are these waves going to start, stop crashing? When am I going to stop getting hit? And for some of you, you know, you, you just lost a job, or your business just got turned upside down, or you're kind of anticipating how dramatically things are changing. Maybe right now, it, it, it might not be the coronavirus, but it's another sickness. Maybe there's something else that you're dealing with that's just turning life dramatically upside down. And uh, for all of us, I think we go through this moment where we start to feel like this is how our story goes. Maybe this is even how it ends. And uh, we, have, we struggle with fear. We struggle with despair. We get into these moments where life starts to feel helpless and then hopeless. I want to bring you to a moment in Jesus' life. Believe it or not, Jesus had a moment where he was helpless, where he was lonely, where he was suffering, where he was feeling deep despair. And it was, this moment was actually captured by several different eyewitnesses who later went and they wrote an account of what Jesus was walking through, uh, not only because they were there and watching, but because they wanted to share it with others. Another guy named Luke, he, he researched this moment. He shares how, how, you know, kind of what Jesus went through in his darkest moments. And this moment is actually the moment before Jesus was arrested tortured and put to death. So this isn't the moment of Jesus, you know, being tortured or beaten. It's not the moment of him um, dying on the cross. This is the moment before that moment where Jesus is preparing to suffer. And and we're going to jump in starting in uh, the gospel of Mark. So the eyewitness of Mark, who later in life writes out this account, and he captures this moment where Jesus is in what's called the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, interestingly, the name Gethsemane, so just kind of read the first line. They came to the place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Um, This is a place where Jesus had often gone 
with his closest friends. It was a place where they would go to pray. Part of the reason they would go there to pray was the name Gethsemane, what it means is a place of crushing. Now, it had a very literal reason for that because the Garden of Gethsemane was an olive grove. And it was a place where they would bring, you know, they would pick the olives, they would put them into the olive press. And uh, olives have to be not just crushed, but they have to be pressed multiple times in order to get the oil out. And so what Jesus did was he kind of adopted this place as a place where he would go because he knew that life was pressing. He knew that life would depress us. Life would weigh us down. That life would squeeze everything out of us. And so in Jesus' moment of not just preparation for his death, but in a place where he was feeling crushed, he went to a place of crushing, a place of pressing. And he goes there to pray. He says, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. Uh, He did some social distancing with his other followers, but he brought these three guys. And and it says, and in distress and anguish came, uh, came over him. And he's feeling distressed and full of anguish. And he said to them, sorrow, the sorrow in my heart is so great that it almost crushes me. Stay here and keep watch. What's amazing is Jesus didn't have to feel this, right? We, we believe that Jesus is fully God. And so God creates this whole world, perfect and beautiful. Heaven is this place of beauty and, and safety. No more tears, no more sorrow, no more sickness. So Jesus leaves a place of no sickness. He leaves a place of no suffering, no distress, no anguish to come and feel distress and anguish. He leaves a place of perfection to embrace pain. So what is Jesus doing here? What's going on in this moment? What Jesus is doing in this moment is he's preparing to die for us. So the distress he's feeling is our distress. The anguish he's feeling is, is, it's as if you, could, if you could bottle up all of the anguish of the world and then heap it on Jesus, that's what he's feeling. If, if you could take the crushing, the, the, the depression, the pressing of life, and you could put it all on Jesus, that's what he's feeling right now. And he's asking his friends, he's going, hey guys, can you help carry the burden? Can you help pray with me? And um, I'm not trying to make light, but the reality is they, they kind of exercised a little social distancing and they just, they just kind of pushed away and fell asleep. They didn't even connect with what Jesus was walking through. We had jumped from Mark over to Luke where he kind of captures the same idea. And it says this, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. So multiple times, Jesus gets down, he's praying. He gets back up, he goes to his friends. Hey guys, can you pray with me? Oh, yeah, 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 Jesus. And then they fall asleep. And so Jesus comes back and he's praying more earnestly, more desperately. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. We don't know if he actually sweat blood or if it was just so thick that it was like great drops of blood. But the key is this, that Jesus didn't have to go through this. He chose it for you and I. He chose to to leave the perfection of heaven to experience our pain. He chose to leave the calm, the peace of heaven to enter our storms. He created a place 
of no tears. He created an earth with no tears. But then the earth was broken and ruined. And so he left heaven with no tears to come into our world. And then he weeps for us. He embraces our anguish and our desperation and our distress. Why? Because you you and I, we don't avoid suffering. We go through it. So how do you get through it? Well, here's the key. What you get from this is this one idea, and I hope that in this moment, this is what I can put into every one of your hearts. Not because I believe it, but because it's true. Whether you're in our own local community, somewhere here in Washington County or Franklin County, or you're joining us from around this region, or you're joining us from another church or from another nation. Not only do we want to welcome you home, but we want to welcome you into the hope and the faith that is found in Jesus. And this is the truth that I want you to take away, that Jesus is our hope in darkness. If this feels like your darkest chapter, it is not your last chapter. And If this feels like the darkest season of your life, and I realize that there are those of you, you've been through so much, and so you're looking back on dark chapters. I want you to know that Jesus is our hope in darkness. Whatever darkness you've walked through in the past, whatever darkness you're feeling right now, Jesus is our hope in darkness. And we don't don't avoid darkness. We don't escape darkness. We come through darkness because Jesus brings light into our darkness. Now, here's the deal, right? We wish we could escape suffering. We wish we could get out of distressing situations, that we could just kind of avoid this altogether. But you and I know we don't don't avoid it, do we? The reason we don't avoid it is because we live in a broken world. Would you agree with me? The world is not as it should be. I mean, look around. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. Why isn't it the way it's supposed to be? It's not just because of disease, and it's not just because of a faltering economy. It's not because governments maybe don't respond the way you think they should. It's because there's something underlying all of that. It's a spiritual crisis, a spiritual corruption, and it began at the very beginning where man and woman rejected God. And when they turned their back on God, a spiritual crisis entered our world called sin. And sin breaks the world and it makes the world the way it wasn't supposed to be. And so I agree with you, that's not the way it's supposed to be, right? But the problem is it's not just around us, it's in us. There's not just a storm raging around us, there's a storm raging in us. We are not the way we're supposed to be because you and I were born with sin. And as a result of that, we push away from God and we do life our way. And when we do life our way, we pursue our desires and what we, what we think makes us feel good. But when you do what you think makes you feel good, you discover that that doesn't really fix the problems. It doesn't make the pain go away. It might numb it for a moment, It might distract us for a moment, but it doesn't make the pain go away. And and so there's this problem, right? This spiritual corruption that's broken the world around us and broken us. And the end result is that we look around at all these problems and we think someone should pay, right? The government's trying to figure out how they're going to pay for a faltering economy? Should another nation have to compensate us for all of these problems? Maybe they're the ones that created the problem. Maybe they should have to pay. You know what our instinct is? When things go really wrong and we can't escape it, we think someone should pay. Well, what's that payment? Here's the deal, right? 
because sin entered the world and sin lives in every one of our hearts, we're broken, we have to pay. And the payment is not just in this life, but it's in the forever life. The payment is that we go into forever carrying a judgment. Think of it like an eternal death sentence. And so you know what God did? God was unwilling to leave you and I on a life course toward forever death. And so God knew that we couldn't escape it. We couldn't stop this sickness, this brokenness around us. So God stepped in and he intervened. In fact, I want to read it to you from the author, the eyewitness, Matthew, who writes it this way. He's writing about this moment where Jesus is praying. He goes, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, Father, if it is possible, if there is any other way, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Here's what God did. He took all of the judgment. Think of, think of um, our life. And uh, you think about the, the suffering you and I walk through. Somebody's got to pay. And, and uh, you know, sin destroys. You think about it like this, right? And so this is the payment. This is the judgment. Is that God took our crushing. He took our suffering. He took all of this. And ima imagine this becomes like juice. God bottles up all of the, of the suffering, all of the judgment. And then Jesus says, he's looking and he goes, God, the Father, if there's any other way, choose that. But not what I want. What you've planned. And what God does in this moment is as Jesus is praying, he knows that what's ahead of him is that he's going to have to drink all of this. Every blow that you and I experience, all the pain that we endure, all the agony, all the tears, all the guilt, all the shame, all of the regret, there, there's, the, there's the juice that comes out of this, right? Out of the crushing. And God's taking all of that judgment. He's bottling him, and that's what Jesus refers to. He's, he's looking at this metaphor of this great cup of judgment. Jesus is taking on himself, and he, he goes, if there's no other way, then I'll drink it. And here's what Jesus did when he went to the cross. What he was doing was he was absorbing all of the judgment, all of the guilt, all of the shame, all of the suffering that we deserve. He was drinking the death penalty for our suffering. He was drinking the death penalty for our sin. All the, all the results of the crushing, he was drinking. And when he finishes and he drinks the last drop, he says, it's finished. I've drank it all. Why? Not just so that Jesus could die, but so that he could live. After Jesus is crushed, after he drinks the last drop, and then he dies, he says, it's finished, and he dies. Then he, then he rises from the dead, and in his resurrection, he gives us victory over death. He gives us victory over despair, over depression. He gives us a way through our distress, a way through the storms, so that life doesn't end in death. Death ends in forever life. See, when we believe in Jesus by faith, he becomes our hope in the darkness. 
How? Because when we believe in Jesus by faith, here's what we're saying. We're saying, yes, the world is broken. And yes, I'm broken. Yes, the world is messed up and I'm messed up. Yes, things have gone wrong, but Jesus is the one that makes it right because Jesus died for me. He rose again. And when I believe in Jesus by faith, he forgives me of sin and gives me new life. That's what Jesus wants to do in your life right now. When you believe in him by faith, he forgives you. He takes away the regret, the shame, and the guilt. He takes away the weight that you and I carry. He lifts the stress off of our lives and the distress and the anguish that we're carrying. And he offers us hope so that when you and I believe in Jesus by faith, we have hope in the storm. We have confidence that there is life after death, that we have a bright future, no matter how dark the season, that there is a tomorrow. Now, I want to walk you through the process. How do you actually live out hope, right? Because otherwise, it just sounds like some little pie-in-the-sky idea. So how do you live out hope? I want to give you two complementary ideas. They go together. So I'm going to go back to this passage, this moment. Says this, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and he went once, once more and he prayed the third time, saying the same thing. And what you get is this sense that Jesus keeps going back over and over to a desperate place of prayer in the garden of Gethsemane. In a place of crushing, Jesus presses into God. When he's, when he's being crushed, the crushing season causes him to press into God the Father. In fact, that's what I want you to take away from this. Uh, the example of Jesus, which is this, when life presses hard, press harder into God. When life presses hard, press harder into God. Life is pressing hard right now. I get it. Life is, life is, grinding and crushing. We, we, we're the grapes and we're being pressed and crushed and we're feeling the agony and the stress. And here's what I challenge you with. You, when life presses hard, you press harder into God. Some of you, for the first time in your life, you're learning how to trust God. You're discovering what it means to pray. That's not an accident. God's inviting you closer. He's inviting you to take the weight that you're carrying and give it to him. Prayer means that we are most dependent on God. And we discover what it means to truly trust God when we learn to go to God in prayer during seasons of despair and desperation. See, prayer is not our last resort. It's our first response during times of desperation. It may not be our only response, but it is our first response. Can I encourage you? Pray first. When you're desperate, when you're afraid during this season, parents, pray with your kids. If you're carrying stress right now, pray. I promise you, God is not far from you. God has not abandoned you. God has not rejected you. God hears you. He sees your silent tears. God knows your suffering. He carried them to the cross. You are not alone. God is for you, not against you. God loves you. God has come to rescue you. And in this moment, when life is pressing you hard, press harder into God. How do you pray? Just talk to God the way you would talk to a close friend. 
the way you would talk to a trusted friend, right? You tell them what you're, what you're really feeling, right? Like right now, when you're talking to people, people say, hey, how you doing? You kind of like almost laugh, right? You're kind of like, ah, what do I really want to tell you? And if they say, how are you really doing? Then you know you can kind of just be honest with them. Every time you talk to God in prayer, here's what you're getting from God. He's going to you, how are you really doing? And then just start telling him. So be honest, be vulnerable, and then be bold. Ask great things of God. Here's the thing. God will always hear. He will always listen, and he will always respond. He may not respond the way you expect, but God will always respond. And in his response, there are times when God says yes, and he does what we ask. But don't stop believing in the power of prayer or believing in the goodness of God just because he doesn't do what you want. Just because he doesn't answer your prayer the way you're asking doesn't mean God doesn't exist because I think you can relate to this, right? I have six kids. They ask for a lot of things. Most of the time, the answer is not yes. Um, if, if the answer was yes, I would have a gigantic earth mover in my house. Like one of those like four-story earth movers because that's what my boys think is really cool right now. And they want one. My, my, my one son, he, he wants a, the biggest shark in the world and, and he wants a tank for it. Okay, so the answer is no. And uh, so you and I, we don't even know how to ask sometimes. And so in these moments, what prayer does is prayer puts me in the position to trust God, trust that God is good and that he knows what is best and he knows what is best for us. So you pray. And you trust. And even when you don't get the answers that you want, you still trust and you still pray. You pray for others. I, can I encourage you? When you're being pressed hard, press harder into God. But don't just stop there. Let me give you one more challenge. Luke, the author, writes it this way. He goes, and when he rose from prayer, he went back to his disciples and he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. But then in this moment shifts very quickly. Like this is last week for us where this moment turns on a dime. And while he was still speaking, a crowd came up and the man who was called Judas, one of the 12 was leading them. Judas, one of the 12, meaning one of Jesus' friends. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? And let's just pause there. Another translation actually reads it this way. It's, Jesus says to Judas uh, something like this. Friend, are you coming to betray me with a kiss? He refers to him as friend. Imagine this. A God who is always there for us. A God who has always been faithful. Willingly comes to be betrayed by a friend. That's the love that God has for you. Let me, let me continue reading here. He said, when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? Meaning, should we fight back? Should we do something? And one of them struck the servant of the priest, cutting off his right ear. Meaning, what he was trying to do wasn't going to work effectively anyway. But Jesus answered, no more of this. Stop it. Stop trying to take this into your own hands. And he touched the man's ear and he healed him. What I, what I think is amazing is that here's Jesus about to be arrested, tortured, crucified. And here's what he does. He keeps a level head. He keeps focused on his why. He even pauses to calm 
uh, his friends from rioting and revolting. He heals a man in the middle of being arrested and preparing to die to, to help this man and to, to heal him from his ear being cut off. And the point is this, when pressed, press on. Don't you lose hope. Don't you lose sight of what matters. Don't you give up right now. Now is not the time to throw in the towel. I know some of you, you're like, where is God in this? Now is not the time for you to give up. Now is not the time for you to throw away your marriage. Some of you, let me be clear. You do not make major life-altering decisions in a moment of crisis. Don't you walk away from your marriage right now. Don't you give up on what's most important right now. Don't you throw in the towel on the things that matter most. Now is not the time to push away from your dreams. Now is not the time to kind of throw your hands up in the air and say, where is God when I need him? God is right there with you. When you're pressed, you press on. You press into God and you press on to the things that matter. Some of you right now, what you're discovering is that the things that don't matter are falling away. You're, you're getting your life reprioritized. This is a gift. You're discovering that your kids actually matter. You're discovering that what really matters in your schedule is time alone with God, time with family and friends. You're discovering that you need to make time with your kids. Press on to the things that matter most. What matters most, your relationship with God, your relationship with those that you love, your family, your children. What matters most is doing what God has designed and created you to do. Press on in loving others well. Press on in serving rather than being selfish. Press on in being generous rather than greedy. Press on in helping rather than hoarding. Now is the time to press on in serving and caring and loving and speaking life rather than death, getting away from conspiracies and things that worry you and distract you and focus on hope and faith and peace in God. Press on. Don't you quit. Don't you give up right now. Now is not the time of despair and throwing your hands up in the air. Now is a time for folding our hands in prayer and, and putting our life in a place where we can serve and help and love and, and be strength to others and offer peace to others. I realize that you're in, a, you're in a place right now, a place of crushing. Listen to me. You know what else comes out of crushing? In this moment, God is making you. I know this is a time unprecedented hours in our nation across the globe. Some of you, you're joining us from different countries around the globe. Thank you for joining us. What comes out of the crushing is something new. God wants to do something new in your life right now. And some of you, the first step you're going to take is faith in Jesus Christ, believing that Jesus was crushed so that you could be given new life. He died so you can live new. Jesus was crucified to, so that you could be forgiven of sin. He was crushed so you could be made whole. And those of you that are making that decision right now, I want to invite you. I believe that there are many of you that are joining us. This is not a moment where you just watch. You're welcomed in. You're not observing from the outside. We're inviting you to become an insider in the family of God. And how do you do that? You do that through faith in Jesus Christ. We want to make this, we're going to give you an invitation right now. We just want you to let us know that you're making this decision. I want you, you can put it in the comment section. I choose Jesus. 
You can privately message us. I choose Jesus. You can click on the prayer tab if you're joining us on our online platform and you can say, you know, I need prayer and someone will meet you in a private prayer room and, have a, and, and begin a dialogue with you about this decision to follow Jesus. We just want to invite you right now to make a commitment to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For those of you that are making this commitment, here's what I want to do. I want to pray with you right now. And for the, if you're making a commitment for the first time, you're saying, I, I'm believing in Jesus by faith and I want to receive new life through faith in him. We want to say welcome home. Welcome into the family of God. You just step from being an outsider to becoming an insider. And we're welcoming you. How do you do that? You're simply saying, Jesus, I believe in you. Would you forgive me of sin and make me new? And I want to pray with you right now. Jesus, that's our desire. Right now, there are so many individuals. They're sitting behind a screen. They're standing. They're kneeling. They're waiting. God, they need you to be peace in the storm. They need you to be hope in their darkness. And they're saying right now, Jesus, I believe in you by faith. I choose to surrender my life to you. I'm inviting your Holy Spirit to come into my spirit and give me new life and forever life. Thank you, Jesus, for this gift of new life that was purchased through your death on the cross and through the power of your resurrection. I wanna say welcome home and welcome into the family of God. Please let us know that you made that decision. Now I want to invite all of you to respond. In this moment, we're going to, we're going to sing a song for you. The song is going to be about how God wants to make new wine out of you, right? In the crushing, something begins to happen. Something's released from us. The pressing brings the oil out of the olives. The crushing brings the juice out of the grape, but then over time, that juice is fermented and it becomes, it becomes wine. And God wants to mature you through this process. Some of you, you, you've just been juice in your relationship with Jesus, but it's time for that maturing to happen and cause you to become something more powerful and potent. God wants to bring new wine out of you. You've been living the same way for a long time, and it's time for something new to happen in your life. It's time for a new season. It's time for some changes. It's time for a, a commitment. And so we're going to sing this song, and we're inviting you. Would you be willing just to say, God, I, I want you to do something new in my life through this season, however long this season lasts. I believe that in this time of pressing, you're pressing patience out of me. I believe that in this time of crushing, you're pressing character out of me. God, in this place where I feel like I'm just being squished, you're making new wine out of my life for others to taste and see that you're good. Would you allow this time to be a time where you can just pray? Maybe even make a commitment. Maybe take, talk, take a moment to talk to God. And allow God to speak to you. I believe that God is speaking to you right now. What does he want to bring out of you during this season of pressing? How can you press into God right now? And then how can you press on to what matters most? Would you join us as we allow this song just to be a place of reflection? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.